The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies and fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hello, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. And tonight, we're going to get Ultra, as in Ultraman. We're going to talk about the legendary Japanese superhero Ultraman, who many would liken to being Japan's equivalent to Superman. And I think the best way to start is to talk about Ultraman's history. So, Don, where did Ultraman come from? Uh, Ultraman is one of them, uh, weird things. It was produced by, uh, Tsuburaya Productions. Um, what they had originally done is, uh, the, they were, a lot of the people that worked on that show and that were the people who did the effects for the original Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So they had experience doing the model work and doing the big giant monsters. Uh, prior to that, they actually did, like, around the World War II era, they did war films. And they would film these big fight scenes, like, with giant battleships and stuff. So that was, again, how they got their start into the miniature work. Mm -hmm. Um, After Godzilla, there was, um, as I recall, there was an opening for a a TV series on uh, TBS in Japan. TBS being Tokyo Broadcast System, not Turner Broadcast System, which is what (laughs) most Americans would be familiar with. At least not yet. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so they decided they wanted to do an effect show. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of back and forth over what to do. And the, the first one they did was a show called Ultra Q. And it was uh, black and white. It was of kind course. of, I've, yeah, I've, I've seen it compared to stuff like The Outer Limits. Question, what year was this? Uh, what year? It was, uh, was it 63 or 64? Yes, I think that's about right. Yeah, it was really it was really early sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the same time as the Outer Limits here. Um, and again, for anybody who isn't familiar with the original Outer Limits, it was a uh, it was the Twilight Zone with more of a focus on the monsters. Mm-hmm. That every episode featured a new weird alien or weird dimensional monster or something. Well, yeah, everything was connected to aliens in one way or another with the Outer Limits, kind of like Doctor Who, actually. Yeah, that's another good uh, another good example. Um, Ultra Q was the same way. It was uh, each show, each episode was built around the idea of whatever the monster of the episode was, mm-hmm. and they uh, they mixed it up pretty good. They did uh, like there's comedy episodes, uh, there's like straight up like horror and suspense episodes, there's twist ending episodes. They did one. It's uh, it's essentially uh, a kids episode. It's it's a fairy tale mm-hmm. about like the ocean, the ocean princess, and she's this little girl that's essentially tormenting this poor like nine year old kid. Hmm. 
and drags him on this crazy adventure where he's chased by a dragon. And in the end, she gives him a box and says, and it'll bring you luck, but don't open it. He opens it and it turns him into a little old man and everybody laughs at him. Wow, that's messed up. It is, because that's basically where it ends. Um, and it, it was... Um, it was it was it was very surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think part of what they were doing is there was a lot of experimenting, especially because the uh, the effects show and the suit effects were still fairly new, and uh, Tsuburaya Productions was trying to see what they could do with it, and they were trying to see where you could go with a show like this. I think, and that's why you saw this big variety mm-hmm. that it it wasn't all just straight up fight those monsters. Well, just to backtrack a tiny bit, if I remember right, the premise of Ultra Q, wasn't it, that there was a couple of newspaper reporters, and they went and investigated, like, weird stuff all across Japan, and Mm -hmm. inevitably these weird stuff would include monsters of one kind or another. Yeah, that's that's kind of the basic premise that that binds the show. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, there there were a fair number of episodes that didn't really fit that. Well, obviously like, the fairy tale one you just described can't have been included the uh, newspaper reporter, can it? Yeah, as as I recall, it's been a little bit since I've watched them. Yeah, it it was literally just the story with this kid. Hmm. Uh, same thing with Canagon. Canagon is one of those monsters that everybody's seen, but nobody knows where it's from. Right, Desc- and that was just describe Canagon hmm? for our listeners. Oh, he's the one. It looks like a picture, kind of a generic lizard kaiju body mm-hmm. with a big clam head with two little eye stalks and he's got a zipper for a mouth mm-hmm. and it's because he's he's supposed to be like a walking change purse right and and because the idea of the episode is it's these kids that used to hang around in this in this like a like a garbage dump Mm-hmm. scavenging like useful stuff or stuff they could sell in that which is is weird because for some reason um, back in the day, like in my parents' generation, mm-hmm. apparently that was where kids hung out. Because I can think of so many shows from back in the day that featured kids hanging out in garbage dumps. Wow. Okay. Look. Well, in a weird way, I guess that makes sense. Because at that point, vacant lots and spaces were generally used to dump garbage in. Mm, makes sense. And so what they were really doing is they were hanging out in the spaces because remember there was so much construction going on all the time. Right. And so that's sadly what they were using. Yeah, that would make sense. That's sadly what was being used for, um, sorry, the, the, the open spaces were probably mostly being used for garbage. And yeah. so therefore kids hang out in garbage dumps, temporary garbage dumps, we'll call them. Okay. Makes sense. And then, yeah, that was the episode and they find this, it's a, a cocoon. Mm-hmm. and the one little greedy kid takes it because he shakes it and it sounds like there's money in it. Mm-hmm. And he gets cursed and he turns into Canagon, which is this big monster that he has to eat money or he'll die. Mm-hmm. And as I recall, in the end, he doesn't learn any kind of lesson at all from it. And the uh, the main reporters in that weren't in that episode at all either. Mm-hmm. So they just use the reporters just sometimes as, as a kind of structure element. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, um, thinking back, if when they pitched the show to the network, that mm-hmm. that's what they said it was. Mm-hmm. That, no, it's about these people that investigate weirdness, 
And then these other episodes were things they threw in for their own sake because they just thought this would be cool or they wanted to test, you know, oh, would this make a viable episode? And they just kind of slipped them in. Right, right. Okay. I can see that. Okay, so how do we transition then from Ultra Q, which is just people encountering weirdness, to Mm. Ultraman? Uh, Well, Ultraman, it it looks like what had happened, um, again, I got to say... It's kind of tough to get info on some of this stuff, like the the specific nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think it's because it's it's the other side of the planet, and it's pretty old. And and back in the day, people didn't necessarily fret over production details like this, like not the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I I, I know, and what it looks like is Ultra Q was really popular, mm-hmm. and they were offered another uh, another series. And this one, they wanted to do something a little more solid, and they decided um, it went through a bunch of... Di- the, the original Ultraman was was what eventually happened. It went through a few different uh, versions. Because mm-hmm. uh, there was one, I believe, was called Woo. Yes. Wait, and, I thought Woo was the original title for Ultra Q. No, uh, the original title for Ultra Q was... Uh, I believe it was Unbalance. Yes, okay, yes, you're right. Yeah, Unbalanced. Yep, you're right. Be- because in the 70s, they did a show that was, was called Unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like a horror show, and it was kind of a, a similar sort of idea. Mm-hmm. But I think Ultra Q, it was Unbalanced, and then it was a Ultra Question. Yes. And that's where the Q comes from, that it was... It sounded more more slick. Oh, I remember reading somewhere that actually, what was it? It was actually the result of the Olympics. Oh, yeah. They held the Olympics in Japan, and some Olympian did a maneuver that was something, the something Q or something like that. And that mm-hmm. became like a buzzword to call this this Q thing. Right. Uh, here, here it is. Okay. Um, it was rec- because the gold medal-winning Japanese gymnast during the 1964 Olympics in to- Tokyo who used a technique called the Ultra C. Oh, yeah. there it is, Ultra C, which caused the word to become a catchphrase. So Ultra C, but was the maneuver, and so, so they changed it to Ultra Q. Well, there we go. There we go. That works. All right. <laughs> and yes, I did a quick check. You're right. Wu was one of the original names, although yeah. Wu was apparently going to end up being kind of this almost Doctor Who-ish story according to Wikipedia anyway, where it was a space creature that befriends a reporter and they go around like investigating weird stuff from the sounds of it. Yeah, and he was going to be, uh, he was going to be um, not like an actual monster. He's going to be kind of like the, the weird sidekick sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. that was another one, I think it was uh, early 2000s. They did do a movie in Japan that was called Woo. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of that idea... And it's sort of like E.T., mm. where Wu is this little cutesy little white thing with the big giant doe eyes, kind of. Well, according to this, Super Eye Productions would ultimately produce a series dubbed a series dubbed Bioplanet Wu in January 2006. But it's okay. only very loosely based on the original concept. Okay, yeah, I've only ever seen it referred to just as Wu. Yeah, it was called Bioplanet Wu, but again, it was very loosely based on some of the old notes or idea. Yeah. And then, according to this, they came up with another name called uh, Bemlar. It was supposed yep. to be Scientific Special Search Party Bemlar, mm-hmm. which was a 
effectively Ultraman in a lot of ways. Um, except that Bemlar was a giant bird-like humanoid monster. Yeah. Who defends Earth from aliens and other things. And Bemlar apparently looked a lot like Gappa, the Trifibian monster. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've seen sketches of what I think mm-hmm. was the original design. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was, uh, that was the idea. They scrapped it because they were um, having a hard time telling who was the good guy and who was the bad guy. Yep, that would be it. Yeah. And the final one was actually, before it became Ultraman, was apparently called Red Man. Yeah. Or and Red Doman. Yeah, if if you look up, um, that's uh, I think that one was uh, for a lot of their earlier production. That was the name because a lot of people know that one mm-hmm. uh, to the point that if you've ever watched like a, a Japanese cartoon or movie or that mm-hmm. where somebody for whatever reason is on like a movie set where they're filming like an action show mm-hmm. or they're filming like um, a Sentai show. Mm-hmm. It seems like Red Man is what they always call it. Just as an in-joke. Oh, I never yeah. knew that. Okay, but yeah, you're right when I think about it, yeah. Yeah, because there's a... That. Yeah, there's like a one of the first season Sailor Moon episodes. Mm-hmm. They're fighting a, like a, like a, like a Sentai monster, mm-hmm. and it was called Red Man. Right. And um, I think it was uh, when they did uh, the, the Detroit Metal City movie. Mm-hmm. I think in that... When they're on the when they're on like the TV set, I think that show was called Red Man. Well, it's one of those ones that I think maybe out of tribute has just never been used. I think as a Sentai series name, or as a sorry Tokusatsu series name, and yeah. so as an end result, it's one that's always available. See, and no one's really got the copyright on it. At least I don't think there was a Red Man. I don't think there was. But again, because you've seen so many references to it, it's hard to be sure. Yeah, and I think it became one of those weird in jokes, like. Um... Mm-hmm. Like we have here in North America, what is it if if uh, if somebody's taking a plane anywhere, it's oceanic. Mm-hmm. That's like true. That was that was the one they used in Lost. But if you watch like a lot of shows, because that's just kind of like a placeholder for for you know we need a, a rights free airline to use just for this shot. Yeah, yeah, and so it's always oceanic airlines or something. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and apparently Redman got canned because he was. Um, he was Ultraman-like, but he was very demonic-looking because he was more of a monster. And yeah, he kind. Oh, go ahead. You've actually seen pictures of him. Again, it's one of those things because I've got a lot of, uh, I got a lot of uh, like books on stuff like this, and if you get um, American books on the old, like say Japanese shows, mm-hmm. they'll have pictures of things that are just like. Somebody saved them from the garbage bin when the the studio was moving on or that. And you'll see things that they're sort of, people think, oh, this might have been from this show. It's just something that the studio was going to ditch. And I've seen shots, if it's the one I'm thinking, the original, and and don't hold me to this, the original Redman kind of looked a little more like Ultraman Taro. Mm -hmm. Because he had those curved horns on the side and that. Mm, yeah, that's what I was thinking, because the way they describe him, that sounds like Ultraman Taro, but we'll get to Taro later. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so they went through a bunch of them, um, mm-hmm. and eventually they settled on the idea of a superhero who mm-hmm. um, is actually an alien pretending to be a human, or in the case of Ultraman, merged with a human, mm-hmm. 
who is part of a group called the Science Patrol, who goes out and investigates, um, the, or the, sorry, the Science Special Search Party. Yeah. At least I think that's, that's what they were called in Japanese, weren't they? Yeah. 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 But in the English, they're called the Science Patrol. Yeah, because that's a big mouthful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so he joins them when one of their members, uh, Hayata, is nearly killed. Um, Ultraman saves him and says, well, look, it, you can join with me and you can use my powers to help fight you know, bad guys. And they join together. The only catch is Hayata can only become Ultraman for roughly three minutes at a time. Yeah. And also Ultraman is freaking huge. <laughs> Yeah, because that was, as I recall in the, the original one, mm -hmm. they kind of portrayed Ultraman, um, who's one of the beings from the M78 Nebula, mm -hmm. that they're kind of like cosmic police right. in the original story. Well, I, isn't that something, though, that I think got retconned later on when they started adding other Ultramen, like in, when we get to Ultra 7 and such? I think it got reinforced, because when, when we get to one of the later series, and we talked about this, like, last week, there, mm -hmm. there's kind of a twist. But the original one, because in the original, Ultraman is chasing Bemlar, mm -hmm. who's, who's a monster that escaped from, uh, from what they ended up later calling the Ultra Zone, mm -hmm. which is kind of like an extra-dimensional monster prison kind of uh, place. It's, it's, it, it's the Phantom Zone from Superman. Yeah, it's, that's what I was... Except occasionally it comes in in phase with uh, with our dimension, mm -hmm. but they did make it clear that Ultraman was after Bemlar because he escaped. Mm -hmm. And again, it's been a little bit since I've seen him. They do it. You do get this idea that he's some kind of authority figure. Mm -hmm. um, you find that out later on when um, when uh, was it Ultra Zafi mm -hmm. shows up at the end of the original series to rescue Ultraman, right? You do definitely get the impression he's a commanding officer, and he's got like extra rivets net, so he looks more macho. Because mm. because that was um that was the idea when he when he hit uh, Hayata's ship, he actually killed Hayata. Mm. That he was dead, and that was why they had to they had to change form because they were sharing a life, and only one of them could basically use it at a time. Okay, so only one of them could have this physical body at a time yeah okay well that's makes sense and that was at the end when uh uh spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the original ultraman mm. ultraman dies at the end <gasps> and yeah i know and then uh zafi shows up and and rescues him and brings him back and the last thing he does is he separates hayata from him and gives him his life back mm. okay so it's a happy ending in the end yeah, eventually. Eventually, yeah. But first he has to die. Yeah, it takes a little getting there, but they, they do end on an upbeat note. Well, okay, since we're going to go total spoiler here then, if he dies, how mm. do they defeat um, Zeton? Is, well, this is... is it the science patrol that actually defeats Zeton in the end? Yeah, this is the uh, one of the interesting things... Um... And a couple years ago, when they put out uh, the original series, they did mm -hmm. make it available on, on DVD. Mm -hmm. And I was watching it, because there's certain things that become tropes mm -hmm. with any kind of any kind of story. And you remember that um, Ultraman had a, 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 a timer mm -hmm. 
that he could only, like you said before, he could only um, exist on, on Earth for three minutes at a time. Yeah, the color timer. Yeah, and it would start blinking and beeping, and if it ever, should it ever go out, Ultraman will never rise again. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things from Ultraman, people remember that like it happened every episode. Oh, yeah. Um, Hayata losing the beta capsule, which he needed to change. People remember that happening every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the science patrol being like delightful but ineffective is something people remember from every episode. Mm-hmm. But those things actually didn't happen every episode. Okay. There, there were times the science patrol was actually useful, including uh, the monster at the end, Zeton. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the science patrol take him out. So the final monster is actually defeated by the humans, not Ultraman. Yeah, because that was a Ito invents. It's a little rocket that you stick in the end of the pistol, mm-hmm. and then he he hits Zeton and he blows up, and that was. Uh... And then you're thinking, how come he couldn't have done that five minutes earlier before Ultraman died, you idiot? But anyway, Ito always hated Ultraman. <laughs> you know, and it's funny too because watching it, that's another one of them little subtext. He didn't hate him, but. You did get that feeling there was a little bit of jealousy. Mm. That there, because there's an episode where they're trying to beat this monster and nobody can stop him, and Ito's just running himself ragged because he was the inventor. Mm. And he's running himself ragged trying to come up with something to beat this monster. And you do kind of get that impression that he, there's a little bit of uh, insecurity there. Mm. He's just jealous of Ultraman's big red suit. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> okay, so the original Ultraman ran 49, something like that, episodes, if I recall right. Yeah, it was somewhere around 40. Somewhere around 40 episodes. Actually, wait, I'll check. Um, the answer is 39. Okay, it was close. It was 39 episodes. Right. Okay, and so let's take a pause here in our Ultra chronology, since we're going to go kind of go skipping through the Ultraman series, not all of yeah. them, since there are apparently like 40 of them now, but we'll, <laughs> we're going to touch on a few of the major ones, but let's take a step back now then and talk about how you first encountered Ultraman. So how did you first enco- encounter Ultraman, Don? You know, what's funny is I can absolutely vividly remember the day. Really? Okay. Tell us. Yeah. Cause it was, I, it was before I started school. Because mm-hmm. I must have been about three. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in the living room, sitting on the floor in front of the uh, coffee table watching TV. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was out shoveling the walk. And the episode that, the very first episode that they, that I don't know if they showed here. Because mm-hmm. I'd never, I didn't see any advertising for the show. I don't remember. It just kind of appeared. It was the one with the mummy. Okay. With the mummy that was linked to the big, uh, the the big Chinese dragon-looking four-legged monster thing, mm-hmm. and I remember because the show started, and we we're only a couple minutes in. My grandfather came in after shuffling the walk, wearing his blue jacket and his dark blue hat, mm-hmm. and I remember because he looked at me, and goes, "What are you watching?" And I said, "Ultraman," and then he sat down and we watched Ultraman, mm-hmm. and that was the very first time I'd ever seen it. Right. Okay, well, that, that's that's a good memory. So this would probably then have been, what, about 75? We're talking oh. 75, 76 here, are we? Earlier. So 74, 73 then, somewhere in the yeah. area. Okay. Yeah. I... Now, how about you? When did you see it first? The very first time I saw the original Ultraman? Mm-hmm. Um, the original Ultraman I saw for the first time, what? In... 
wow, maybe about 15 <laughs> years ago. Really? Yeah, yeah, I didn't see it until like it became available for like download online because um for those who aren't familiar, Ultraman the very original series was syndicated across the United States. Mm-hmm. And this happened in like the early 70s as we've obviously gone through. And it was dubbed in English and it was from what I understand super popular. Um however, if you lived in Canada as we do and you live mm-hmm. you would have to live in a border city to actually see it because as far as i know it wasn't actually syndicated in canada and so as an end result my city of london ontario didn't happen to receive an american station that carried ultraman so wow. i never saw it i never saw the original in fact i never saw an ultraman uh, anything basically until i went to university until i was living in windsor wow Technically my first Ultraman series is Ultraman Towards the Future. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that is technically my first Ultraman series, which and we'll get to that later on. <laughs> Just to give you a a uh, heads up folks, that was an Ultraman series that was actually made in Australia, not Japan. Mhm. Might. <laughs> um so yeah, Ultraman might. Um well, there goes our Australian <laughs> listener. Anyway, <laughs> although they might remember it fondly. Um, right. So, yeah, actually, so because of that, I mean, everybody I knew who lived in a border city grew up of our age, watched mm. Ultraman, and usually has at least some memories, if not fond memories, of watching it. And it was actually quite popular. But right. unfortunately, um, yeah, I lived in an Ultraman dead zone. So yeah, I could get kaiju movies and stuff like that for american independent station uh, wuab 43 cleveland was our local <laughs> um, american independent station but unfortunately the one thing they didn't carry was ultraman wow because that was on another channel in their area that we couldn't get not with our cable package here and we didn't have a good aerial so we couldn't get the others so yeah ultraman was not part of my childhood i'm afraid that's so weird because ever since like i met you You've been, like, obsessed with Ultraman. That's probably why, um, because I feel like that's a missed part of my childhood, because okay. I was a huge, as we talked about in the Kaiju Giant Monster episode, I was a huge Giant Monster oh. stuff fan. Right. But, and this is the truly sad part, I couldn't get Ultraman, which would have been my most favorite show in the world when I was, mm-hmm. like, you know, five to ten years old. That would have been my greatest, most favorite show ever. Instead, wow. I had to watch reruns of the old Superman and Batman shows. Yikes. And occasionally Wonder Woman. That was what I got in terms of live-action superheroes when I was a kid after school. And you know what's funny about that, too? Hold on just a sec. Hold oh. that thought. I have to let the dog down. Right back. Okay. <laughs> what were you about to say, sorry? Oh, I was going to say, do you remember like uh, when we first met, you were uh, referred to as the guy who never saw anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember okay. that. Yeah, long ago. That's why. is because I couldn't see anything because I didn't have the good TV channels you guys got out of Detroit. Wow. So you never saw Johnny Sokka when you were a kid? Nope. Oh. See, that's another so you guys one. were watching Ultraman. You were watching Johnny Sokka. What else were you watching? Um, oh, we had all kinds of yeah, weird Yeah, you were watching all stuff. this weird stuff out of the American channels. And yeah. we couldn't get any of that. Not wow. here in London. It was kind of like a dead zone. I feel even sorry, more sorry for the people up in more northern Ontario. But then again, they probably got Detroit channels as part of their package. <laughs> yeah, well, this this was way before any kind of like package. We just 
they broadcast out of Detroit, which is like two kilometers uh, to the north of me. So mm-hmm. I know, and that's the thing. You were getting all the decent Detroit stations, like Channel 20, for example. Channel yeah. 20 Detroit would have been awesome to have. And um, the yeah. thing is, I could even see it in my TV guide. So I could uh-huh. see the listings oh. for it there, but I couldn't get those channels. I had no way to get them. So I knew what it was playing, and it was all the stuff I wanted to see, but I couldn't see it. The other one that I knew about but couldn't was uh, was Channel 29 out okay. of uh, Buffalo, which you wouldn't be okay. familiar with because we're halfway between. And yeah. so we could see the listings for Channel 29 out of Buffalo, which also showed Ultraman and all all that good stuff. Again, couldn't see it, not here in London, Ontario. Yeah, we, we could get 29. Mm-hmm. Because uh, one of the things we used to do, and this is one of the things I, I miss nowadays. Mm-hmm. One of the things as a, as a kid I used to love about TV was uh, that I anybody under the age of thirty wouldn't wouldn't uh, probably wouldn't understand is that you had a lot of the 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 network local networks the small channels that would just show whatever crap they had on hand to fill time. Mm-hmm. So you'd get shit. Cha- TV channels were radically different from each other. Mm-hmm. And what we used to do when I was uh, a little kid, because, again, growing up with a mad scientist grandfather, mm-hmm. uh, we'd built an amp wow. for the TV and the aerial. Uh-huh. And what we used to do, and uh, I don't know if anybody's going to get in trouble for this, but when we were kids, we used to have, uh, we'd wire the amp up to the aerial on the roof. Mm-hmm. And we had a, uh, we had a, I forget, I don't know the technical term. We called it a coil booster mm-hmm. that we built for for the amp. It's basically a like a like a, a really coarse induction coil, so it would pull in more of the signal. Mm-hmm. And we used to go up on the roof. My buddy Ed would climb up on the roof. This is when we were little kids. We are like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And he'd hook this thing up, and then we'd just screw around with the antenna on the roof, and we'd just pick up all these bizarre stations. Mm-hmm. And you never knew what you'd get because... It was how strong was their signal, and it depended on weather, because if you know anything about the mm-hmm. old broadcast... Yeah, 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 ionosphere they, and everything, right. Yeah, and we they'd bounce off if it was high cloud <clears> cover <throat> in between. That would sometimes help, because the signals would bounce off the clouds, and we'd get... And you get these, like, you could just barely make it out for all the static, and we saw all kinds of strange-ass shows <laughs> like that. <laughs> right, including apparently... Wow, so you were actually getting stuff on the other side of me... But unfortunately, yeah. I didn't have a mad scientist grandfather to help out, so <laughs> I didn't get to see any of that stuff. Except when I went to visit my grandparents in Hamilton, we then I could watch 29. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I knew what 29 was showing, TV Guide, plus I could watch that mm-hmm. stuff occasionally. And, um, and of course, I didn't have any family members or anyone living in Windsor, so I didn't get to see that stuff. Yeah, because 29 had a... There was a kid show, I think it was called Barnaby. Yes, yeah, you're right. Where the guy looked like, he was like an old mobster. Mm-hmm, yep, that's Barnaby, yep. All right, you kids, today we're going to learn you something. Yeah, I remember that, because that used to freak me out when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Are you sure Barnaby was yes. like 29? Why or... is Al Capone babysitting? I thought he was, Barnaby was out of um, Cleveland, or out of Ohio, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, because I don't remember, because like I said, we used to, whatever would come in, that morning was we what we'd watch for a couple hours before school, if we went. Yeah, because that that was one of the things. Like back in the day, we were looking for like more Ultraman. Mm, I bet you were. 
I would have been looking. I well, I, you know, it's a kind of good though that I didn't know Ultraman actually existed. Because right. if I knew it existed but wasn't able to get it, it would have driven me nuts. <laughs> I can understand. Because yeah, we got that. You got a uh, Johnny Sacco. And once Johnny Sacco came a couple years later, and that was one of the ones, once that came out, we had this sneaking suspicion that there was more of this stuff out there somewhere. And that was why we'd start scooting around trying to find it. Hmm. The answer is Barnaby was out of Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, Barnaby was out of Cleveland. Um, he, and in fact, apparently he's one of those guys, TV show hosts that was around kids show host who was basically on forever. He was actually a kid okay. show from like the sixties, <laughs> but apparently he was on for a long time. Wow. So the version of Barnaby you're remembering is, was, yeah, was not a young man. He apparently started fairly young and kind of went from there. He, the actor, actual actor's oh. name was Lynn Sheldon. Oh, okay. Why does that sound familiar? That sounds familiar. Yeah, he he, why, he was the host from what? Uh, from the 60s to the 80s. And yeah, that was W... Wait, was that WAB he was on? Oh, let me see. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, I'm curious. Okay, we've gotten completely off track. We'll get back on track in a sec. Um, and let's see. <laughs> Yeah, because the original Barnaby character apparently had pointy ears. He was an elf who lived in an enchanted forest and showed kids cartoons. Usually Popeye. Okay, and then and then later got hooked up with the mob? Well, yeah, that happened later. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. He, it aired from okay. 57 to 67. Okay. And then reprised uh-huh. on independent TV station WUAB Channel 43, which was my, which was the one I grew up with. Okay. Um, which is now Cleveland's My TV network affiliate, and aired from '68 oh. to 1990. Wow! So yes, I actually—that's why I do remember Barnaby vaguely. But for whatever reason, uh, Barnaby, right. even though I could get him, I suspect uh, he was just a character that I just never was never interested in. Like the stuff that he was showing, I just wasn't interested in. So I didn't yeah. actually bother to watch it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I could. Not sure why, because I watched Forty Three religiously, but I barely remember Barnaby. Huh. Oh well, I just remember because it was it was it was like a for little little kids, and mm-hmm. yeah, we all just thought, why is that like gangster teaching kids like proper social behavior and stuff? Hmm. So, yeah, you... <laughs> well, so okay, there you go. <laughs> all right. So let's get back on track here. So okay, so you didn't see Ultraman until uh. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see Ultraman until I was at university. Um, and, mm-hmm. no, wait, I didn't see the original Ultraman until even later than that because it basically took until the internet came around before I saw Ultraman, the original right. series. The yeah. original series I saw was Ultraman Towards the Future in university because that aired in syndication and I watched it on Channel 20 Detroit while I was living there, going to university. Um, living in yeah. Windsor, not Detroit. And then my first true yeah. Ultraman series, though... I consider it to be Ultraman Tiga. Oh, which is much later. Which is much later, which is 1997. Because that's yeah. when I was living in Japan. And one day I was bored on a Saturday afternoon, uh, flipping around on my TV, which could get like maybe about 10 stations in Japan when I was living in mm-hmm. Matsuyama, in Shikoku. And I stumbled across Ultraman Tiga. 
And mm-hmm. I was like, this looks like an Ultraman series, but that can't be an Ultraman series. They're, they're not making any new Ultraman series. And lo and behold, it was. So I started watching Ultraman Tiga religiously every week, every Saturday afternoon that I could. Uh, cause it was late, like five or five thirty on Saturday afternoons in the local channel. And, uh, yeah, so I watched it then. And so that's, I consider my first true Ultraman series because Towards the Future is sort of an Ultraman series, but it's not uh, quite a standard one because it was made involving foreigners. That's my take on it anyway. (laughs) Uh, I I don't consider it a true Ultraman series. It kind of is, but it's really odd. It is. I kind of, because I didn't mind it. I thought it was okay. It's okay, Uh, yeah. Because it was I my mean, I'll third link to it in the show notes. There are episodes of it on YouTube. So if people want to see what I'm talking about, Towards the Future is there. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, we're talking about it now, so we might as well get done. So basically what happened is is that Tsuburaya made a couple efforts to restart the Ultraman franchise. The Ultraman series basically ran from the mid-60s until 1980, when Ultraman 80 was basically the last of the Ultraman series, of the original mm-hmm. set. Yeah. And then basically Ultraman stopped for about nine years, nine or ten years, depending. And they didn't know what to do with it. And so they decided to try making some American Ultraman series. And yeah. so they made Towards the Future, which was an Australian co-production. Yeah. And we were just talking about it. It's not bad. It's not a horrible show, but it's a little bit stilted and a little bit weird. But yeah. it was enough to make me interested in Ultraman, like to get my interest up. But the problem is the monster fights in Towards the Future are a little bit dull, shall we say, comparatively anyway, compared to our proper Ultraman series. Yeah. Uh, They're kind of just Ultraman posing and the monster poses and they kind of take a few whacks at each (laughs) other and then they shoot energy bolts back and forth. Yeah. And then after Towards the Future... They actually tried to make an American Ultraman series, which is Ultraman the Ultimate Hero in 1993. And that didn't work very well because it was kind of a remake of the original Ultraman with American actors and really, yeah, kind of. Well, no, it it was sort of a remake of the original Ultraman and they had mostly American actors, but it's really stilted. And the acting yeah. isn't very good, and the monster fights aren't very good. Apparently, they had like one monster costume. I heard, so they couldn't mm-hmm. afford to damage them between takes. <laughs> so the end result is is that you get a whole lot of they have really nice looking monster costumes, but they can't damage them, so the fights are really dull. And there's only like a yeah. dozen episodes of that, yeah. and so it didn't it didn't even really get a proper syndication. I don't think because it was so awkward and awful done so at least outside it was shown in japan but not in the united states and then eventually the japanese smartened up and super Hour Productions said screw it we're just going to make our own again and so they made ultraman tiga which aired from 96 to 97 yeah and it's uh late 96 to late 1997 because when i started watching it it was probably about may i think may or june of 97 Mm -hmm. and they were only maybe about a third of the way through the show at that point maybe a little more than a third of the way but anyway um but actually and then there's been a whole bunch of ultraman series since almost every year since tiga since 1996 there's been an ultraman series almost every year there have been a few they skip but generally speaking there's been one sort of but we kind of jumped ahead in time let's um 
rewind a little bit, okay? Okay. Since we've uh, we're we're jumping around in time <laughs> by accident, um, it's because of it's it's my fault, totally my fault. Anyway, well, that's okay. So Ultraman aired, and it was a huge ultra mega hit. If you'll pardon the pun, um, I don't know if that counts as a pun, pun, but I'm going to call it a pun anyway. <laughs> And so they said, okay, we need to make more. They wanted more the following year. What did they yep. make, Don? Uh, the one that came after Ultraman was Ultra 7. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Ultra 7. Uh, Ultra, that's another one that uh, a lot of people liked. And I have to say, I finally saw Ultra 7. Um, the funny thing is, TBS and a couple other stations would use little, like, bits and pieces during commercial bumpers and that from Ultra 7. So I'd seen some of the monsters and that, just fleeting bits, but I'd never seen the show until, again, when I was in, like, university. Uh, We've managed to snag one... I remember it was one tape, (laughs) which nobody listening remembers, um, with, like, four episodes. Okay. And, um... It, it was uh, it was kind of a similar idea. Uh, what you got to understand is, uh, I think to to explain, the original Ultraman uh, took place in the far off future of nineteen ninety two. Remembering it was made in like you know, made in like sixty six, and um, the idea of the Science Patrol was that they were this this group of like they used high tech equipment and they dealt with with monsters and uh, disasters. They were kind of like Thunderbirds. In that way. And um, the Ultra 7 kind of continued that tradition. Because that was Ultra 7. It was another one of these teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, the premise was that um, Ultra 7 was another Ultraman. That came to Earth. Mm-hmm. He took the appearance of a human. He didn't actually kill one um, this time. Uh, mm-hmm. He borrowed he borrowed the image because there's an episode about that where they find out that there's two of this guy, mm-hmm. and then he he just sort of shows up at this the 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 new what were they called in uh, Ultra Seven the oh. the Science Patrol guys Science Patrol in Ultra Seven were called the Ultra Ultra Corps Ultra, Ultra, Ultra Squad the Ultra Squad yeah they're, well in English they're called the Ultra Squad um, in Japanese. They're called the Ultra Garrison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's same, them. Same thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and this guy basically just shows up and said, Hi, I'd like to be on your team. And they're like, You're who who are you now? Mm-hmm. But he ends up like telling them about there's gonna be monsters, and then he joins and they fight and he's actually Ultra Seven. Right. And it was a similar idea to to the original Ultraman, except they they amped up the violence. That was a one of the things I liked, because his finishing move was using his head fin to chop the uh, enemy monster into pieces. Most yeah, of the time. it was pretty gory. Yeah, and it was also uh, we'd mentioned before. This was the uh, the one where Ultra Seven had Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, he's the original Pokemon master. Yeah, with uh, he had was it three of them? Yes, three his capsule different... monsters. Yep. Yeah. And he'd send them out to fight to either soften up the monster, or if he needed a cover so he wouldn't reveal his identity, he'd like throw one of these things out, and the monster would fight while he could come up with an excuse. Oh no, my ear bladder's acting up. I have to run away. And then he'd turn into Ultra Seven, and mayhem would ensue. So, if I recall right, 
couldn't Dan Moraboshi, Ultra 7, basically, couldn't he actually stay giant for longer or stay active for longer because he wasn't merged with someone he was, like, doing a body share with? Yeah, I don't remember, um, I don't remember there being any, any limits on that. Um, I, cause I do remember he does have a limiter cause I think it's like the light on his head or something blinks. Oh, it might be, but I don't, see, I don't remember it coming up that often. Yeah, I don't think it does. I think it's something yeah. that happens occasionally to um, generate drama. But if I remember right, I don't think he like I think he can run out of energy basically, or run out of to stay giant or whatever. Yeah, because you're right. Because sometimes he actually fights in his human size form. Yeah, which is one of the neater things about Ultra Seven. He'll actually have whole episodes where he won't even go giant size. Yeah, because they they focused more on the idea of uh, aliens. Hmm. In that one, that it was a extraterrestrial. He'd interact more. They had more human-scaled aliens than uh, Ultraman did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, usually there'd be human-scale aliens, and then he'd fight them, and then one of them would, like, grow to giant size or something, usually. Yeah. Or they'd have (laughs) some, like, yeah, backup plan or something that involved one of them getting giant. (laughs) Or their spaceship or robot or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but he interacted. He interacted with the human ones a lot more than uh than his predecessor did. Hmm. Yeah, human scale ones, um, and I think that's something actually that I don't think carried over to the later Ultra series. What I've seen of them, anyway, the majority of them are very rarely yeah. in human size. Most of them can only be giant size, or occasionally a short time in human size. Yeah, but Ultra Seven would actually fight in human size. That makes them a little different than the other ones. Yeah, of the ones I've seen, he's the one that did that the most. And ironically enough, he's perhaps the most popular of all of them. Yeah, I can see it, though, because uh, Alter 7 the, had just the weirdest monsters and the strangest stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did, from what I've seen of it, because I've seen a number of episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they get really bizarre, especially as the series goes on. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like they were literally just trolling through science fiction magazines going, what's the most bizarre ideas we can find? And then how do we turn this into an Ultraman episode? Yeah, it's like uh, my favorite for that is the uh, the one monster. He's half dinosaur, half battleship with treads. Yeah, I don't even know what that <laughs> thing's called. I don't either, but it's awesome. Oh, I was thinking the one where just spontaneously uh, Dan and another guy, I don't remember which one it is, basically get sent off to another planet on a spaceship. They discover mm-hmm. that the other planet is uh, run by a totalitarian government, help to overthrow it, and it's also some kind of like <laughs> mega Earth or something like that. Uh, they help to overthrow the totalitarian government and like mm-hmm. beat its badass monster. Then they hop back in their ship and suspend an animation and travel the journey back to Earth. And all of this happens in like 20 minutes. <laughs> well, it's, it's our time, not even 20 minutes theirs. But it's just like, oh, wait, what? And then th- th- it's never brought up again that apparently they have like long range spaceships that they can do this with. Or maybe it is brought up again, but I just haven't seen those episodes. Because I've seen a couple of them. I haven't seen all of them. Yeah, well, that was uh, a carryover from the original. Because remember, this was like the 1960s when we knew the future was going to be jetpacks and jumpsuits, but not exactly sure how. Mm, true. Because the original, mm-hmm. uh, the original had a lot of uh, loose travel time through space. Because remember, if I put a booster on your uh, on your jet fighter, you could fly to Mars in like two hours. Mm-hmm. 
So you, there, there was a lot of that because they did imply that in in most of the series that humans have at least they uh the beginnings of moving out into the into the uh, the universe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ultra okay. Seven, which was completely awesome, uh, yep. aired and did very well, and yep. that would then be followed by the return of Ultraman. Yep, with uh, Ultraman Jack. <laughs> yeah, with Ultraman Jack, because that's what he's referred to. Because he's actually just called Ultraman in the series. I don't think they actually call him Jack, do they? No, I think that came. Uh, I think that came later. It wasn't uh, part of the show. It was for for like the promotional material and tie-ins. And to distinguish him, because all these Ultra series, by the way, I should tell our listeners, actually all take place in the same setting, supposedly. Yeah. More or less, they do. Yeah, more or less, they do. Exactly. Yeah. Well, characters from the previous series show up in the new ones, and yep. Ultraman do cross... Like, every Ultra series of the original set, anyway, do meet the guys from the previous shows in some episodes. They come in and guest star. Yeah, because uh, Ultraman Jack does meet Ultraman 7, uh, meet Ultra 7 mm-hmm. in one of the episodes. Does he meet the original Ultraman? Uh, not that I've seen. I, I'm about two-thirds of the way through watching it right now, like right. while we're recording. Okay. So the Return of Ultraman is famous for a number of things. Um, for those listeners mm. who might actually be Evangelion fans or um, Gainax fans, you should know that uh, the creator of Evangelion, Hideki Anno, the Return of Ultraman is perhaps one of his most favorite shows in the world. Mm-hmm. And in fact, actually having seen a little bit of the Return of Ultraman, you can actually see it in Evangelion. You can actually yeah. see it in some of the Gainax stuff that they do, but especially Evangelion. And in fact, actually, even Evangelion and Return of Ultraman both share a theme. What is that theme, Don? Well, Return of Ultraman, which is, again, it's one it's one of the ones that was never shown here in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what ends up happening is they they take this weird supernatural kind of bend with it. Mm-hmm. And I believe this was the one where, uh, like we said before, the original Ultraman, you got the impression he was like a space cop. Mm-hmm. But this was the series, I, I since I'm not done yet, I don't know if they explicitly say it, but it's implied in a few episodes that they're portraying the, the, the beings from the M78 Nebula, the Ultramen, that they're actually spiritual beings. They're, I know later on they, they refer to them as like, they're like angels, what we'd mm-hmm. consider to be an angel. And that series, at least the little bits I've seen, seems to have a lot of heavy Christian mythology, doesn't it? Or symbolism, sorry, heavy Christian symbolism. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of, like I say, there's a lot of that, that it's kind of suppressed, but you can really feel it, that they're starting to take this more spiritual, supernatural aspect with the idea of these big, giant, godlike entities. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Ultraman Angels. Huh, that sounds kind of familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've noted that, uh, yeah, a lot of Japanese fans actually can seem to consider uh, Return of Ultraman one of the best Ultra series. Usually they rank it under seven, usually, of course. Seven is the most popular of them, of the originals. But um, Return of Ultraman definitely has a real cult following. Yeah. It is is quite good. Yeah, from what I've seen of it, it is. I mean, they they have really interesting ways of shooting the monster fights and presenting the episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those ones that I do wish was actually available subbed in English. um, Or if my Japanese was good enough to actually be able to go through it and actually watch it in earnest because I think it based on the few episodes I've seen on YouTube, it actually looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It, 
it also kind of seems to be a reaction to Ultra 7. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like we said, Ultra 7, Dan Moroboshi, Ultra, mm-hmm. Ultra 7's human identity, just kind of shows up at the Ultra Garrison and he's like, Hi, I'm here. And he's awesome and everybody loves him, blah, blah, blah. Whereas in, in The Return of Ultraman, uh, the, the main guy's name is Go, mm-hmm. that Ultraman shares a, a life with. He Because he's linked with Ultraman, he's got all these like superpowers. He's like super athletic and he's strong and has endurance. And he shows up at Matt headquarters and mm-hmm. he takes the test and they're like, this guy is astounding, hire him. And then he kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the other team, they reference that. And it, it, it really looks like they're hitting the idea that because he's off the street, doesn't have all the training the rest of them do, he's not actually as good as the rest of them. That the, the raw ability doesn't compensate for that. Huh, funny that. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it seemed like a reaction to how Ultra 7 went. Right. I could totally see that. And so, it was also a fairly serious series, if I remember right. It was They actually play things pretty straightforward, right? It's not a comedy series? Or not a light, more lighthearted kitty one, I should say? No, they do they they do what um what the original shows did where you'll have like a comedy episode or a dramatic mm-hmm. episode. Um the the difference with this one though over uh the previous 3 is that they don't frame it off different. Uh okay. like in the other ones if they did a horror episode, so? they filmed it like a horror episode. It would look different. And the uh mm-hmm. uh the same with if they did a comedy episode, it would be paced different, it would be filmed different. Uh, Return of Ultraman, every episode is kind of framed off and filmed the same way, mm-hmm. but it's the the themes will change and what happens in the story changes. Okay, makes sense. Um, Alright, so in the interest of time, we will continue on our little trip to Ultraman Lane, I guess. Uh, Return yep. of Ultraman was followed by Ultraman Ace, which yep. I'm a little bit, I think I'm more familiar with Ace than you are. Um, yeah, I've only seen little bits. Um, I've only seen probably just a bit more than you, but I always found Ace interesting because Ace is a um, case where what happens at the beginning of Ace, um, as usual, someone dies and they basically become Ultraman. But the catch with Ultraman Ace is it's actually two people who die at the beginning. There's a um, a nurse and a female nurse, in fact, and a I think he's an ambulance driver, but I'm not sure. I don't quite remember what, what his name is. Um, actually, his name is Okuto. Her name is Minami. I remember that because mm. which are their north and south in Japanese. And anyway, so they both die during a monster attack. Ace resurrects them and basically says, "Look, here are these two rings. If you put these two rings together, you can join together and become Ultraman Ace. You know, the three of us will join together and be a giant Ultra being and kick monster butt." And so Ultraman Ace is famous for being, among other things, a hermaphrodite, because technically it's both a man and a woman, um, mm-hmm. although he appears mostly male. And Which is, um, which is how uh, Judeo-Christian angels are typically uh, described. That's true. Well, very true. And, um, and it continues on, as you might expect. It's a, they, they end up joining their version of the Science Patrol. They, fight, they encounter monsters and fight monsters. Although, there's a catch partway through, and maybe it's because they decided the gimmick was just becoming too troublesome or something. Partway through, the female half leaves, and she gives Ace, the male, sorry, she gives the male half both rings, and now he apparently can just tap the rings together on different hands or something, and he can become Ace by himself. Hmm. 
Yeah, and Ace continues on. From what I know, and I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think Ace starts fairly serious, but I believe it actually starts to veer away from the general audience and starts to go more towards the kid show side of things. Like it starts to become just more of a pure yeah. kid show. And though maybe not completely with Ace. Ultraman Taro, which follows Ace. I'm going to speed through these. Ultraman Taro okay. literally is a kid show. Same with Ultraman Leo that come after that. Yeah. They're basically kid show Ultraman. Taro, if I remember yeah. right, is it Taro that's supposed to be like the Ultra Prince, basically, who's the son of the Ultra King? I'm trying to remember. Oh. Yeah, I think it is Taro. I think it is Taro. Yeah. And then there's also Ultraman Leo, um, yeah. who I don't really know anything about. I know it's more, again, one of those more kiddie ones. Yeah. Uh, it's more kidified. It, Taro and Leo, when I say they're being kid shows, I mean, for example, they basically are almost more like a Sentai where they have set alien villains. And basically the alien villain of the week basically sets sends monsters each week to fight them. That's what mm -hmm. I mean. But it's no longer really an anthology show at this point. It's just bad guys sending monsters of the week to fight our heroes. Yeah, the the nature of the fights in that does it... It, it's toned down compared to the last, the, the previous ones. Mm -hmm, exactly. Although you do get some weird stuff. Like I think it's Leo, I think, might be yeah. Taro, but that there's actually a shot I've seen where the other Ultramen show up to help out and the monster kicks their butts and uh -huh. crucifies them. You can actually see a shot of right. them all like up on crucifixes. Having been crucified by the monster. <laughs> These are all the older Ultramen. And then I think the, I think, I think it's Leo has to save them. There's a shot of that kicking around I've seen in a magazine yeah. years ago. So, but anyway, so this was a little more kitty stuff. Um, they mm -hmm. did try to change course a little bit with Ultraman 80, which I believe is meant yeah. to be a little more serious. Um, Ultraman 80, yeah. I think is Ultraman Joe. I think he's referred to as, I think that's what they call him or maybe it's just 80. I'm not sure. You can distinguish yeah. 80 because he's one of the rare Ultraman I think that has a red fin. The fin across the top of his head is red. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying? Oh, you'd know him to see him because he's also, he's kind of short looking. Mm, yeah. But yeah, I think he that was Ultraman Joe. I think that was, it was again like the Ultraman Jack thing. It was a name they added after the show to differentiate from the other ones. Yep. Although I often see him referred to as 80 instead. I mean, they'll just refer okay. to it's, I think they call him Ultraman Joe, but I think it's, I've seen fans, at least the English fans, refer to him as 80 instead. But they right. will refer to Retur Return of Ultraman's character as Ultraman Jack. Yeah. Unfortunately, at this point, because of years of Ultraman being, uh, and this is, these they were doing a new show every year, by the way, almost every year. There was a gap between 75 and 79, between Leo and 80. But by then, the damage had kind oh, of been done. One. Which one? No, you forgot one, because remember, in 1979, they did The Ultraman, which was the animated series. Yeah, I was doing my best to forget that one. <laughs> okay. Well, What's... that was the American animated series, wasn't it, that was done with Hanna-Barbera? No, that comes later. It really? Yeah, that was... Uh, oh, that's that right, was there was a Japanese time. Ultraman series. Yes, animated one. Yep. Because it's the one, it's it's kind of like uh, Star Blazers meets Ultraman. Yes, Right. And it was it was another one. It wasn't bad. Um, this was when the animation was starting to take over in Japan, and that was becoming mm -hmm. the big thing. Right. Yeah. This was during their great animation boom. Yep. 
and it it looked like that was one of their first attempts to try to serious it up a little bit again. Yep. Well, they were being pretty straightforward with it. Um, if yeah. fans want to actually see it, it was actually not aired in the United States. But um, what the Americans did is in 81, they released a quote-unquote feature-length movie for the English market, which is basically several episodes edited together of this series under the Adventures of Ultraman. And then there's another one that was released in 83 called Ultraman 2, The Further Adventures of Ultraman, which is, again, just four episodes of the series just jammed together, basically. Yeah. And dubbed in English. So you can As probably I find those... Yeah, as I understand, though, the uh, the movie version is a slightly different version of the series story. Okay. I think I remember reading it. Because I've seen the movie. Okay. And I've seen I've seen a couple episodes of the actual series, but just from the beginning. So they didn't really, they weren't really getting into anything yet. Right. Apparently Ultraman 2, The Further Adventure of Ultraman, is actually the first four episodes of the series. Oh, okay. Okay. And it has no continuity with the previous English dub. For whatever okay. reason, it's another attempt to really re- release the series in English. I suspect it was probably, if they released it as the first four episodes of the series, they were probably using it as a pilot, I bet, to try to get the actual series to air here or something. Something like that, maybe. Um, I do remember yeah. seeing them years and years ago. But it was yeah, literally, mm-hmm. wow, actually, you know something? Now that I mm-hmm. think about it, this may actually, no, this probably was my first Ultraman I think I actually did see this before I actually saw a live-action Ultraman. I think I actually did see one of these movies back when I was a kid. Now that I think about it. I think I... I, I, No, I did, but I saw it on videotape. I didn't see it on TV. But I saw saw one of these on videotape when I was probably like like 12 or 13 or something like that. Somewhere somewhere in that area. Anyway. Um, so I think, I, yeah, I saw one of these. And so that was one of the reasons why, because I'd seen pictures of Ultraman, so I knew what Ultraman was. But again, right. I don't really count these because I don't really count this as a real Ultra <laughs> series because it's not live action. Oh, okay. That's, but that's one of my personal bias, right? <laughs> that works. <laughs> um, so, well, yeah, but I mean, because it, it, to me, it was an English chopped up hack job dub of like, you know, presenting Ultraman and it was kind of stilted and everything. Yeah. So that's why it didn't attract me a lot as a kid. Yeah. And again, it's very Star Blazers-esque. Like they, yeah. they're mostly operating out of their space battleship and they fight monsters. But eh. anyway, I'll, yeah. again, I'll see if I can find a link. I'm sure this is probably on YouTube somewhere. I'll see if I can find them for, for, right. for the show notes. That works. All right. So, um, yeah, that was again, it. in the interest... Of time, so yeah, so now we're caught up to yeah. to eighty, and we already talked about um, the the gap that existed for about ten years between eighty and Tiga. Well, yeah, but remember, in between there was uh, the Hanna Barbera one. Yeah. Okay, you can talk about that. <laughs> well, there's there's not a lot to say. It was it was they did a pilot, and if if anybody remembers eighties cartoons, what you always did was. Um, you did the movie, which could then be broken down into five episodes. That would be your first week of of show, mm-hmm. and they basically made you know the uh, the the animated American Ultraman, which they call Ultraman USA. Yes, the actual show itself was called Ultraman: The Adventures Begin. Yeah. Okay. And, the adventure and it, begins. Sorry, Ultraman: The Adventure Begins. Yeah, and and it, if if you've seen eighties Japanese sci fi cartoons. You've kind of seen this. 
Like it, it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Like I watched it just a couple years ago again. It wasn't terrible. It's not great. It's kind of an also ran. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it didn't get picked up because at the time you just had a uh, Robotech and people were becoming aware of the Japanese stuff in general. So there was, mm-hmm. there were things that were more entertaining available and this kind of just looked like, well, okay, nice try, but right. Yeah. Also, it was a little bit Americanized and such, and I think yeah. maybe that was part of the reason why it didn't quite take off. Yeah, it could be. Um, not that American stuff is automatically bad or anything like that, but at the time, I think it might... Um, who knows? I, I, I just remember being, again, not very well written. It was a little stilted. It was okay, kind of. Yeah, it's 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 just sort of there. Because it was about... If I remember right, it's about... There are three... There's two guys and a girl... And they're, well, two men and a woman, because they're not kids, oddly Mm -hmm. enough. And The one guy is, he's like the young brash guy. The young brash guy, but they're like, (laughs) they're more like university student age, really. They're like, they're about, they're on their 20s or something like that, aren't they? Yeah, except for the grizzled old leader of the team, Mm. who there always was, so. Right, well, there's the three of them anyway, and they become three Ultramen, or Ultra Beings, basically. Two Ultramen, one Ultra Woman. Um, and, um, yeah, and they fight monsters. Yeah, basically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, so, now that we've, we've covered that, um, detour, um, (laughs) we get to what are referred to as the Heisei Ultraman, which start Mm -hmm. with Ultraman Tiga. Yeah. Now, one thing that should be noted, the Heisei Ultraman, Heisei is basically the period, it's a term for the, oh, it's the emperor that was ruling at that period, that point in Japan. And by the way, the emperor is still, there's still an emperor in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they often uh, refer to different yeah. eras by which emperor was around. And this is the Heisei mm-hmm. period. That's why you actually sometimes hear the 90s Godzilla stuff referred to as the Heisei Godzilla period. Well, this is the Heisei Ultraman period, which follows mm-hmm. its own continuity. Ultraman to Ultraman 80 are basically considered to be one sort of continuity, as we talked about before. Yeah. Well... After this, almost every Ultra series, not all of them, but almost has its own continuity of sorts, Well, which mm-hmm. we'll cover this. Okay, so we get to the Heisei ones, which start with Tiga in 96. Tiga is basically, in some ways, almost a remake of the original Ultraman, but with new monsters and new approaches and more modern special effects, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, and it's a fairly straight-up traditional Ultraman series, general audience... It has horror episodes, it has comedy episodes, like they really try to mix it up. And there's some really good episodes to Tiga. A lot of our listeners might be familiar with the uh, attempted English dub of Ultraman Tiga that came out on Fox TV back in like the 2000s, uh, played on the Fox box. You should be aware that that dub was kind of a half-assed comedy dub. Like, yeah. basically what it was was the people who were dubbing it weren't taking their job entirely seriously, even though they technically were supposed to. So you end up with a lot of weird jokes and weird comedy and a horrible <laughs> theme song. Well, actually, theme song, I guess, wasn't that horrible. But anyway, regardless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was the 90s. <laughs> it was the 90s, yeah. Well, it was actually, this, this aired in the early 2000s, if I remember right. Um, yeah. But the original Tiga theme song is actually pretty good. I actually like it. The Japanese one, it has a great opening. And Tiga's actually, like, let's just say the American one, they kiddied it up a bit. And they also edited yeah. it as well. Um, yeah. So if you get the chance, there are actually full sets of the original Ultraman Tiga subtitle kicking around torrents online. You can find them. 
Um, and I recommend actually checking it out if you're interested. If you think that the original Ultraman stuff would be too kiddy for you or not, or too, you know, just not your cup of tea, Tiga might actually be a good choice to actually try out as your full Ultra series. Because it actually is a really good one. In, in fact, it's probably still my favorite Ultra series. I still love Tiga. And not just because I watched it in Japan. Tiga was followed by Dinah, which yeah. is... A lot like yeah. Ultraman Tiga. In fact, it literally takes place in the same setting. It's a, literally a sequel to Ultraman Tiga, except Dinah has more of a space focus to it, where they actually travel around the solar system. There's like a solar system wide, and in fact, they go out into the galaxy. They have faster than light ships. Um, still mostly Earth based, but it actually Ultraman Dinah has more of a space focus to it. It's a little more lighthearted than Tiga. I wouldn't quite call yeah. it as. I, it's not exactly kiddie, but it's a little more energetic and optimistic than Tiga is. Tiga could actually get a little heavy sometimes, whereas Dinah's a little more light. <laughs> oh, is Dinah the one with the nut punch? I think it is. Okay, I think, yeah. I think, I think that's Dinah, yeah. Um, yeah. Tiga's partner, Daigo, is actually a little more serious, whereas Dinah's partner is the opposite, basically. He's a little more, yeah. he's more energetic, and he gets smacked around a lot by the rest of the team. <laughs> he's yes, actually he kind does. of like the ultra... <laughs> Man Jack, it's like a kind of thing where he is actually an experienced fighter pilot, so he has actual military training, but the rest of the team still treats him like their kid brother and kind of like, yeah, they're pretty hard on him basically. But Ultraman yeah. Dine is actually for its just sheer fun factor, is actually a really good series. Yeah. Um, then they decide to do something a little different uh, with Ultraman Gaia. And these three together are kind of referred to as the Heisei Ultraman trilogy. Because uh, mm. Gaia again ran the year after, so it ends in 1999. Gaia is a science fiction series. A la, like, oddly enough, I, I classify it almost closer to uh, the Thunderbirds or UFO, like some of the British stuff. Um, okay. It's got a strong feeling of that kind of thing, where it's really a science fiction series that has an Ultraman, ser Ultraman in it would be the better way to describe the, uh, Gaia. Okay. The main premise of Gaia is, is that the main hero, um, okay, Gaia himself is actually supposed to be an avatar of the Earth spirit. Okay. It's that's kind of, Gaia is actually supposed to represent a kind of antibody, basically that the earth is under attack by these malevolent alien life forces and Gaia manifests to protect the earth and merges with the hero whose name I can't remember offhand but who's a young uh, science student. Who's a, he's a genius. He's like, you know, Reed Richards, like Tony Stark-level genius kid. But he basically merges with him and then ends up joining the... Oh, my God, I can't believe I can't remember what they're... I think they're called Guard. But okay. basically, they have a giant shield helicarrier. And what happens is he joins up as their science advisor. He's actually not a frontline fighter. That's one of the things that makes Gam. Gam is his name. Gam joins up not as a quote-unquote science advisor after he joins with Gaia because he wants to basically be on site and find out where monsters are going to be. So he joins Guard and ends up as their science advisor, which means he is usually hanging out with, with the commander on missions. He's basically the commander's kind of like science Spock-type assistant. Meanwhile, there are all these different teams. Like there are several teams of fighter pilots. There are several – there's teams of um, – Oh, what is it? Land? I don't remember what they're called, but they basically, they pilot these kind of wheeled tanks to fight yeah. monsters. 
And then there's also undersea guys and space guys. And they all have different teams. They're all teams of like three guys and each of them will have a vehicle. And they're the frontline mm-hmm. fighters. And so every episode, he and the leader guy basically team up with one of these other teams to fight or just deal with one of these monsters that's running around and trying to, and trying to figure out what it's doing and how to stop it. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of a neat series in the sense that, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but this is kind of what's going on. There's actually two types of monsters in Gaia. There's Earth monsters that, the, that are kind of a byproduct of the life force of the Earth. Uh, interacting with pollution and such. So some of them are like ancient monsters and like dragons that have been around forever. And usually they're reacting to humanity. And so he has to, he has to kind of calm them down and stop them. And then there are actually alien monsters which are being sent by this malevolent force basically through wormholes. They're basically being teleported to Earth and chucked at the Earth by this mysterious hmm. force that unlike other shows, we don't really know what this mysterious force is. We just know these monsters keep showing up and they get progressively more powerful. Every monster is more powerful than the one before. In fact, actually, you know what? Actually, that pretty much Pacific Rim. That's pretty much, it's the Pacific Rim concept where there are aliens of some kind sending these monsters, but they don't, they eventually do figure out where they're coming from. And they actually, if I remember right, they do actually go to stop them. Um, they travel to where the aliens are coming from to try to stop them, to keep them from sending these things all the time. But basically, yeah, they're sending them to rifts. And it has a really, which I'm not going to spoil, but Guy actually has a really cool ending. And it's it's again, another series that's one of my favorites, as you can probably tell by the way I'm talking about it. Just because <laughs> um, it has really neat special effects. I mean, they, they film it very differently than even Tika or Dinah. Um, all the different groups are kind of neat. Each team of the fighters has their own personality um and mm-hmm. they all have different yeah they're they're and they're all they're all really neat team crow is probably my favorite which is an all-female squad of fighter pilots and they're actually pretty cool but some of the other ones team team lightning is pretty good team anyway they're they're really neat <laughs> I, I i really i i highly recommend gaia that you can actually find subbed episodes of it kicking around online but only like the first maybe 10 episodes are subbed in english um but guy guy is pretty neat sorry i'm interrupting you but it's interesting to uh two points was Mm -hmm. ultraman dyna that idea of earth and space monsters Mm -hmm. they kind of infer that in uh return of ultraman Mm. because about a third of a way a third of the way through, they start running into monsters from space. Now, I haven't seen if it's that idea that there's an important story distinction or if it just happened to be this was the hook they're using for the next uh, next few monsters. Right, yeah. And uh, if you're looking for Tiga, mm. they did release four sets here in North America on DVD. Mm-hmm. For some reason, set number three is super rare. You can mm-hmm. get the other four for like five bucks. Right. Those are subtitled versions of the Japanese one, even though they're a Fox, the Fox release. Right. Okay. That's they, good to know. Yeah, they don't have the American dub on them at all. Right. Okay. All right. So, continuing on then. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Gaia was followed um, by Ultraman Neos, okay. which if it, I... Hmm? You, forgot, you forgot one, kind of. No, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, Which what one? about Ultra Ultra Meow? Oh, 
Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was an animated Ultraman series about an Ultraman cat. We're not going to worry about that. All right, yeah, so um, cool. uh, no. <laughs> All right, so Ultraman's. I'm, we're going with real Ultraman series. So Ultra was called oh, okay. Ultraman Neos, which was a short series, and I thought Neos was actually OAVs, but I've seen it listed as TV. I'm not sure about this. I know it was just short. Ultraman yeah. Neos was an attempt to go back to the original continuity. Okay, okay, after doing three movie, three TV series that basically took place in their own continuity, they tried to go back to the original continuity again. And Neos is actually supposed to be connected with mm -hmm. the original ones. That okay. did not go so well. From what I recall, Neos <laughs> wasn't very well received overall. Um, yeah. Then they did um, Ultraman Cosmos, also referred fondly as Ultraman Pepsi. Yeah, okay. Because he's got <laughs> Pepsi's color scheme. Well, Cosmos is was was one of the ones where um, well they started with, with Tiga, where the Ultraman would have multiple forms so they could sell multiple toys of them. And um, Cosmos mm -hmm. is looks like a in his proper form. He has more than one form. In his proper form, it looks like a looks like a Pepsi can. That's the way his colors are and everything. He's got the <laughs> Pepsi colors and such. And yep. the, the thing about Ultraman Cosmos is Ultraman Cosmos was the attempt to do a kinder, gentler Ultraman. So mm -hmm. basically, the main character in Ultraman Cosmos is basically a monster ranger. Would be the best way to describe him. He, he actually works on a monster island where they keep these monsters. And he his job basically is to help like um, find a way to reach their hearts and to um, not kill monsters, but actually kind of make friends with them and such. And Cosmos kind of reflects that by what's happening in Cosmos is there are monsters on Earth, but they generally have them under control. But this like weird alien virus thing starts coming down and will basically turn the monsters into a quote unquote dark version of themselves, basically make them go crazy. And so Cosmos basically is about managing them and uh, and getting rid of the virus and making them positive again. And uh, driving yeah. away their evil energies, and he pretty much has he has almost no killing attacks, if I remember right. He's actually he literally is he's a yeah. pacifist. He like uses like weird tai chi, martial arts. That the whole idea was a pacifist Ultraman, basically. He does have yeah. offensive abilities. He does have them, but he doesn't use. He very rarely uses them. That's so sad because the correct way to reach a monster's heart is a quick blast of a specium ray. Well, there, yeah, well, there we go. Yeah. Um, and that, that usually gets there pretty fast, I agree. Yep. Um, the next Ultraman that I'm familiar with is Ultraman Nexus. Um, okay. Ultraman Nexus was an attempt to do something radically different. Speaking, basically, Ultraman Cosmos was the most positive, happy, touchy-feely Ultraman ever. While Ultraman mm. Nexus, they went 100% the other way. Like 110% wow. the other way. Ultraman Nexus is Ultraman crossed with Men in Black. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen Ultraman Nexus? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, when you start to get to the the anything after uh, Gaia, I've mm -hmm. maybe just seen like pictures or snippets from. Okay, Ultraman Nexus, um, and they have it on like I think it's Crunchyroll or one of the online like Asian video sites. They actually have it. I'll see if I can find a link to it. The short version is this. Ultraman Nexus is unique in many ways. One, it's actually fairly dark and serious. And the way mm -hmm. they do it is it takes place on a quote-unquote real Earth. But what's happening is these monsters are showing up, but there's this team called Night Raider, basically. And among the, they have the Money in Black thing is they can actually erase people's memories. 
So they're going around like monsters are like showing up and killing people and doing horrible things. And basically the team is stopping them and then erasing the victim's memory so no one remembers. Hmm. One of the other quirks of Ultraman Nexus is Ultraman Nexus is not one person. Okay. The Nexus entity slash ability gets passed to multiple characters during the series. So they're they're hmm. called dunamists, if I recall right, but basically the partner. You know, we'll, we'll call them the partner ability of the old, of, to be Nexus's partner is actually transferred, by, I think, between three, maybe four people during Ultraman Nexus. With okay. the with at least one of the hosts, I think, actually gets killed. I think it's killed. Yeah. Um, it was pretty serious. It was really serious stuff. And in fact, it, because it was so serious, it wasn't very popular, and it ran short. Right. I think it, most Ultra Series run about 50 episodes. It only ran about 30-some-odd episodes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you a specific number. Now, unsurprisingly, uh, it ran 37 episodes and two DVD specials. Unsurprisingly, Ultraman Nexus is actually a fan favorite among, in, in the sense that it's a cult one, especially a lot of American fans. This was actually there. This was around the time when you started getting fan subbing groups that were releasing stuff on the internet as almost as fast as it came out. Right. And so, for a lot of American fans of uh, Ultraman and live action Japanese stuff, Ultraman Nexus was often their first Ultraman series that they actually saw, subtitled in English, huh. and they could actually watch it like a week after it came out. Okay. And so because it was, you know, dark and gritty, and this was a time when dark and gritty was popular. This was just like right after 9-11 and things like that. And right. because it dark and gritty is Ultraman get, like it's not really dark and gritty. But it's, and it's pretty straightforward. So there's a lot of uh, American, you know, tokusatsu fans, uh, Japanese special effects stuff fans, that actually really like Ultraman Nexus. I'm lukewarm mm. on it. It's got some interesting right. ideas to it. But I don't think it came together very well. Like, I don't think it's a great series, but it's okay. Right. Okay. And because it was so dark, they followed it with Ultraman Max. Okay. This was two years ago, which Ultraman Max is an attempt to go back to the original. It's original timeline and is meant to be fun with a capital F. Okay. That's, is that the current one? No. That's no. not the current one. We're nowhere near the current one. Um, oh, wow. We're going to run out of Ultraman series that I'm familiar with soon. But Max is also <laughs> another interesting one in another sense. Max was the first Ultraman series, or one of the first anyway. It ran how many episodes? 40 episodes, okay? And one of the trick with Ultraman Max is, is that they wanted it to be fun and interesting. But what they did is they basically invited pretty much every noteworthy film and TV director in Japan and said, Hey, you want to make an episode of Ultraman? And let them do okay. it in their own style. Right. So, for example, do you know who Takashi Miike is? Uh, it sounds familiar. Takashi Miike is a Japanese director who's known for directing, like, really gonzo stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly horrific stuff. Uh, okay. What's his most famous one? He directed Ichi the Killer. Um, oh, okay. aud- Audition. Oh, Dead or Alive. Okay. Um, he directs really messed up stuff. Okay, and he directed an episode of Ultraman yeah, Max to give I, you an example. Um, oh, Ultraman oh, Max. Oh yikes! Um, basically, they pretty much let's just say if Kurosawa was alive, Kurosawa would have been invited to you know, direct an episode of Ultraman Max. I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah, they they were <laughs> basically, and a lot of episodes are are uh, homages to the original one. 
Okay. Okay. Um, the the team is Dash. There's actually a guy named Sean White. He's actually the first foreigner to be an actual member of an Ultra team. Okay. He has an actual foreigner. Technically. Um, Ultraman Max is. Yeah, it's actually pretty. It's I watched a little bit of it. I've seen a few random episodes. It's actually kind of neat. Okay. Um, I, I actually recommend it. But again, it's light. Like it's meant to be fun, but they do right. do a lot of neat stuff with it. Okay. Okay. And I believe it was meant to go be part of the original continuity. Okay. Right. Um, that was followed by Ultraman Mobius. Okay. Mo- and yeah. Mobius, you might be familiar with. Again, is. Um, and it even aired on uh, Crunchyroll. If you know Crunchyroll, it's again one of those drama Japanese, Chinese, Korean tra- streaming sites. Here, even aired Ultraman Mobius. He's an, he's the another one sent by the father of Ultra to Earth. Um, it's set forty years after the original Ultraman, and yeah, he joins a bunch, a group called the G- Crew Guys. That's that's what they're called now, the Crew Guys. C R E W G U Y S. Or just not guys, G U I S. Not as good as guts, but okay, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Guts from <laughs> Ultraman Tika. We've got yeah. guts. No, they're just guys. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is—it's again very homage to the original one. It was actually reasonably popular. Um, okay. Ultraman Mobius aired in when did it air? Two thousand six to two thousand seven. Okay, so it it, okay. it aired. Um, Ultraman Mobius is really the last one I'm really familiar with. I'll be honest with you. There have been a couple ones since. Um, right. There was Ultra 7X in okay. 2007. Right. Um, Ultraman 7X follows Ultraman Mobius, but Ultra 7X is weird. It's kind of a remake of Ultra Ultraman, or sorry, it's kind of a remake of Ultra 7. Right. Hmm. Sort of remake. It's only 12 episodes long, and it takes place in the future. And it's very cyberpunk. Oh. It's oh, very wow. dark, and it's very cyber. Again, they did Nexus, which is kind of dark. Then they did yeah. two really relatively light light series, and then they did Ultra Seven X, which was done for I think a. It was done for late night. It wasn't. It was actually meant for an adult audience, and it's, okay. it's like this super dark future cyberpunk one. And it's right. Ultra Seven X, but again, well, that's there you go. Um, let's see, that's followed by a bunch of shows that are basically just kind of repeats of, uh, their clip shows of fighting called Ultra, Ultra Galaxy Mega Monster Battle Series. They did a couple of those. Okay. There was a Neo Ultra Q in 2013, looking at the list. Right. There was also Ultraman Ginga and Ultraman Ginga S. Ginga, if I remember okay. right, let me double check. Ginga, I think I've seen this. Uh... Yes, Ginga's is the one about the spark dolls. Okay, there are oh, only eleven okay. episodes where basically he basically has the ability to put toys of um, Ultraman and Ultraman monsters <laughs> in a little in a little thing, and he turns into them. Huh. That's his ability. This was the fiftieth right. anniversary Ultraman series, so they so he basically had the ability to take classic monsters and they're called spark dolls and use them to become those monsters to fight other evil monsters and stuff. Okay, yeah, I've seen some of that. Um, and I watched like one. an episode or so of it and it was like, uh, okay, sure, whatever. Yet yeah, it's, it's, it's surreal. <laughs> yep. It was pretty surreal. Yeah. 2015 saw Ultraman X. Okay. Um, Ultraman X, which I thought I saw a little bit of it aired. Yeah. 22 episodes. Again, fairly straightforward Ultraman series. 
Mm-hmm. Um, again, he, Ultraman X is also using the Spark Dolls thing because they fell in love with that Spark right. Dolls concept, and so again, <laughs> he can he uses these little basically monster action figures to transform into an actual Ultraman or Ultra Monster. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so <laughs> he, in fact, and now he, he now here's the weird thing though. In Ultraman X, I remember I watched some of it. In Ultraman X, the, he can actually talk to the mo- dolls, and the dolls talk back. Okay, so he's that's usually usually that's called schizophrenia. Yeah, usually, but in yeah. Ultraman X's case, he that's his ability, or one of them is he can actually talk to the monsters and talk to the dolls. Wow! And so he, you'll literally see him having <laughs> conversations with his action figures. And We've the action all been figures. There. Well, that's <laughs> true. I know you have. We had the toy episode done. We know you have. <laughs> um. So Ultraman X, yeah, it's I yeah I couldn't watch very much of it. Because right. that, that the whole doll thing is kind of a turnoff for me, right. um, especially when they're constantly swapping them out. So every every fight, I believe, he usually becomes a classic Ultra Monster first. Then he gets yeah. his butt clicked as a classic Ultra Monster, and then he'll finally maybe transform into actual Ultraman X to fight the real monster for for reals. Right. So it basically ends up being it's an Ultra Toy commercial, just like Ultraman yeah. Ginga was. Okay, and Cause... then. This year, later this year, Ultraman Orb the debuts, which we know very little about. All we know is that there's a new series this year. Right. And now we're caught up. Because okay, you you kind of missed one. Which one? Uh, Ultraman Nice. Again, I'm skipping certain <laughs> things. Um, now, mind you, you'll know, oh, there's a catch. There are actually one or two others that I skipped as well because I was only mm. looking at the TV series. There are Ultraman yeah. films as well, and a few of them, like there's Ultraman Zares. Yeah. Um, there's also another one. Oh, what's his? What's him? There's Ultraman. I'm trying to remember. There's a guy who's basically like Ultraman. He's like Ultra Seven, but he has double blades on his head. Oh, which one is that? Oh. Um, let me check because. Yeah. Because there's a there's a bunch of those weird movies. Ultra, I think that's Ultraman Zero. Okay. Uh, is it? Yes, it's Ultraman Zero. There it is. Yeah, Ultraman Zero, who was kind of a movie Ultraman. That they that he only appears in some direct to movies, basically. Because every now and then they'll skip yeah. a year or two. There'll be a little time when there's no Ultraman series, and they usually put movies out during that time. And yeah. there's also even been a few um, direct to video series. Yeah. That they've done. Well, they could... did an Ultra Seven direct to video series. They've done, uh, they did a couple of those, Ultra 7, super popular. They did a couple Ultra Mobius, yeah. Ultraman Mobius direct-to-video series. And an Ultra, yeah. Ultraman Zero one and movies to go along with that. So, yes, there are actually a couple that I've skipped. And, yeah, and Ultraman you, Nice as well. Okay, fair. Because you, you skipped like the Seven Ultra Brothers versus the Golden Vampires or whatever that one was. Oh, that yeah, the Seven, the seven Ultra Brothers. Now, are you... Uh, you're thinking of the uh, six great ultra brothers versus the monster army. Yeah, and that's that was the it. one that was done in Thailand. Oh, okay. Because that's the one where a Thai company basically got the rights to do a Ultraman film, and so they did. Yeah. And they made an Ultraman movie, and that's the Six Ultra Brothers versus the Monster Army. I think it might have been a co-production with the Thai one. There's also right. another one called the Ultra Warriors versus the Giant Monster Army. But that's, oh, okay. that's actually Ultraman Sophie. That might be using footage from the previous one. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, there is actually also another, I 
think that I thought the Thai guys actually might have done an Ultraman TV series as well. That they, I know they tried to do an actual oh. TV series, but I don't know if they actually succeeded or not. Because there's, there's been, because of wasn't that whole, it... yeah. Sorry, go. I was gonna say, wasn't it the one that they got like halfway through and then they lost the rights? Well, what happened is the Thai company that had the rights back in the seventies keeps claiming that they had the that have claimed that they have a document from Super I saying that they have the extended rights basically for Thailand for Ultraman stuff. Right. And so as an end result, they've tried to do various stuff over the years, most of which has not worked out. Because the because the Japanese the Japanese company okay. keeps Super I Productions keeps saying no, you don't. But the problem is Super I isn't with us anymore. It's to um, say whether he really does or not. Um, yeah. So okay. there are a couple. There's like uh, Chayo is the name of the Thai company. They have Ultraman Millennium, Dark Ultraman, and okay. Ultraman Elite. And there was even a uh, there was even an attempt. They even tried to do one with China, where they were going to actually have a Chinese Ultraman. But they were using the rights from the Thai company, and right. so the Thai co- and so uh, Super Air Productions uh, gave them a cease and desist order. And okay, here we go. The end result of a whole long fight was basically this: Chayo gained permission to merchandise the original series, mm-hmm. but lost the rights to create and market its own Ultraman, or even use the original without Super Air consent. It looks like right. Um, however, oh, uh, wait, oh, okay, then in 2000, that happened, oh, sorry, then in 2009, the Thai Intellectual Property Court and the Tokyo District Court both ruled in favor of the Thai company. This led the Tokyo District Court on September 30th, 2010, ordering Super Art Productions in Japan to pay damages of 16.36 million yen to the... Um, a Thai gentleman whose name I can't pronounce, of Thailand, for violating his overseas copyrights on Ultraman characters. Hmm. So I don't know where it's sitting right now. Um, as far I as... I bet things, nobody else does either. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. It's a true, true mess. Uh, it looks like the guy who had the rights, or thought he had the rights in Thailand, basically got paid, but he still doesn't have the rights. Something to that effect. Yeah, Okay. Because he was claiming to even be co-creator yeah. of Ultraman. Huh. And so, yeah, there we go. All right. Right. Wow. Okay. There, There's our little marathon. Well, this is already <laughs> our, lo- I think this is already our longest episode to date. It's an hour and 41 minutes already. Yeah. We just marathoned right. our time. We have, yeah, yep. So we've just gone through, <laughs> oh boy. Um, a, a brief history the of the Ultra Ultra series. Universe. Exactly. Brief history of the Ultraman universe. <laughs> We've gone through our brief history of the Ultraman universe and our own personal experiences with Ultraman. So let's let's just yeah. cap this off then. Um, obviously, I've already stated which one is my favorites. Uh, which ones are your favorites, Don? Uh, much as I'd like to say the original, I have to say I think Ultra 7 just squeezes it out. Okay. Why? Because uh, they had weirder monsters. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and I'm not a complicated guy. Okay, I can see that. I'm oh, <laughs> no, you do like the Return of Ultraman too. Oh, I like I like them all. Like I I mean I I even like Ultra Meow, even though uh, somebody's kind of ignoring that one. Hmm? I'm doing my best. I'm doing my <laughs> best. I, here, any of the animated ones, I don't count. 
So, oh, okay. so an Ultra Meow does that is actually animated. So therefore, I don't uh, I don't count on uh, I don't count it. Um, we just consider okay, sure. that mm. extra mm, <laughs> exactly okay. Um, so, what do you think the appeal of Ultraman is, Don? Um, I think a big part of it is is it's just the idea of giant monsters fighting, mm-hmm. and it's it's the idea that giant monsters are scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked in another episode that that's kind of part of the Japanese psyche, mm-hmm. yeah. And th- the idea of a big glowing monster that's on your side is the flip side of that, it's pretty and that awesome. appealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I can totally see that. Yeah, and and of course, there's that idea. Of course, unlike Superman, who is an alien and everything, but with Ultraman, there's also still that idea that in theory, anyone could be Ultraman. Yeah, like, that's true. I mean, so it has that, I think, that extra level of appeal where anyone could be Ultraman. And so, yeah, it's kind of like if anyone could become Superman, if they just have to merge with the Superman force or something, which I'm sure DC yeah. has done at some point. Oh, Marvel did. Marvel did that? Which Captain one? Universe. Oh, Captain Universe, right? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. In fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, Captain Universe might have been somewhat inspired by Ultraman. And Ultraman has been a part of American culture. I mean, there are many things I think that have been influenced by Ultraman over the years in American stuff. Right. Um, little things. Um, like there's a character called uh, Moonstone. It was oh, a Mar- okay. well, it was a Marvel character. I don't. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. She's like a Marvel character from the '70s. She's a villain, but she's basically an Ultraman. She's like a yep. a, a woman cosplaying as Ultraman, basically. Yep. Except gold instead of uh, red yeah. and silver. But she's even got like the eyes and she's got yeah. the thing on her chest and everything like that. If people are wondering what she looks like, actually the, there's a current Avengers TV series uh, airing right now. Uh, Earth's Mightiest, not Earth's Mightiest Heroes, that was a, Avengers Assemble, it's called, I think. And in the recent episode, mm-hmm. she's been a recurring villain and I laugh every time I see her. Um, <laughs> it's had an effect on uh, independent comics. Um, yeah. For example, there was Ultra Klutz, going back to yeah. our episode with Jeff a couple uh, episodes ago. Um, Jeff didn't mention that, but there was a series called Ultra Klutz, which is basically a pure parody of Ultraman that was done as a black and white indie comic back in the back in the 80s. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there have been other influences of Ultraman I'm just not thinking of at the moment. But Ultraman's right. definitely a character that's had influence and... I wouldn't be surprised if Ultraman actually is uh, one of the most globally well-known superheroes. Like, I bet he's up there. Um, yeah, I, I definitely I know think that the Ultra too, series have at, been shown in different countries. Uh, especially, I... mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, like, say, the other side of the planet. I think that he's a lot more recognized than, than maybe in the West. Um, yeah, he's definitely, uh, let's see, so I found a reference here. Ultraman series have been dubbed into many languages, English, Spanish, um, Portuguese, Korean, Malay, Mandarin, Indonesian, Cantonese, Filipino, among others. Yeah, there are definitely others that they've been dubbed into as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's he's definitely a character that... Um, has some appeal and endurance and he's, you know, is, is, has been seen all around the world. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, um, it's a shame in some ways that he's not more recognized in the United States, oddly enough. I mean, yeah. he was back in the seventies, 
But yeah. since then, I don't think most people would know him except for maybe Ultraman Tiga. And again, most people weren't even aware that that was on, I don't think. Yeah. So, That's kind of a surprise. Um, however, and this is not exactly a spoiler, but <laughs> there's a book called Ready Player One that we mentioned in one of your very early podcasts. And it's being made into a you know, major movie by Spielberg. Um, that, that's the one about where the, the guy is basically trying to solve a giant puzzle in an alternate reality world in the future. A right. very rather bleak one. <laughs> Ultraman, being part of 80s culture, turns up in Ready Player One. Oh, okay. <laughs> and is actually, Ultraman actually turns up, it turns up in Ready Player One. And I'm praying and hoping that, actually, I don't think there's a choice. He will be part of the, um, I think he will be part of the movie. I'm praying that they get the rights because <laughs> it is awesome the way Ultraman shows up in the book. Wow. Okay. So that's something. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing if they and if that happens, yeah. Let's just let's just say if they do it the, the way it comes out in the book, prepare right. for a little bit of a Ultraman awareness slash renaissance if that movie is a big hit. Wow. Okay. Ultraman is because Ultraman was part of '80s culture, like the dubbed one shown in the United States, and so accordingly. It's a big part of the book, right? Um, and so, yeah, you'll you'll see it when the movie comes out. If, <laughs> if, if again, if they get the rights, I'm worried that yeah. they're going to. I'm worried that they're going to make it like Superman or something that they'll 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 Americanize it. But I'm praying that they stick with yeah. Ultraman because there's a lot Ultraman, a lot of other Japanese stuff in the book that should be in the movie if they do it right. Yeah, well, that's the problem too with a, a big character like that is you're going to pay big for the rights to use it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, so we have to get going. So on that yeah. note, um, I think we've done a pretty good job of giving uh, an overview of Ultraman. Yeah. And we, um, maybe we'll come back to this kind of stuff in the future. Um, we, we, we didn't even get to all the ripoffs. No, we didn't. Spectre-Man. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, that'll be our tokusatsu TV show episode, which we'll do. There's also, of course, uh, the Common Rider series, which I'm not as familiar with. Maybe we'll just lump that in with the tokusatsu stuff. But right. in a lot of ways, Common Rider is the Spider-Man to Ultraman Superman in a lot of ways. I, that's kind yes. of the way I'd put it. Yeah, I could see that. And um, so they kind of have their, Japanese kind of have their equivalents. And yeah. um, I think that well, we'll definitely have to talk about them. Anyway, right. I'm going to bring this meeting of the Department of Nerdly Affairs to a close. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please tune in next episode when we'll talk about something that you're going to love. Trust us, I promise, and it's not the Star Wars Holiday Special either. Aw. Good night, folks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more or join the conversation, come visit us at ObeyTheDNA.com. You can also find us on iTunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember... That to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya!